Welcome to the In Love with PMDD podcast. I am your host, Rose, and today we are going to talk about how you need to find the right way to love your partner or you will lose your partner. So I really feel like if you don't communicate love to your partner in the right way, especially when you have PMDD, you can lose the right person for the wrong reasons. So just a little bit of introductory for all of my new listeners. I created this podcast after years of suffering with PMDD. I've currently had premenstrual dysphoric disorder for 15 years now, and I've watched it continuously ruin relationships. And so when I was going to get my doctorate degree, I dedicated my dissertation to finding out tools and ways that you can maintain an effective relationship, intimate relationship while you have PMDD. So on this podcast, I will be going into the depth, into the minds and hearts of women who suffer and providing tools to finally stop wanting to break up with your partner every single month because it seems too hard to have a relationship. I've been there so many times where I've said, you know, it might be easier to just be single because it's so much that you have to go through in order to just have PMDD, that having relationship issues on top of that seems almost unbearable. So I'm here to provide you with tools on how you can actually have a effective, healthy relationship while also having PMDD. So you are not broken. You are a freaking PMDD champion, which is what I call all of my clients because you are amazing for surviving every single month of this ridiculous disorder. So let's just go straight into it. Um, When we talk about relationships, every partner feels love in a different way. And I feel like so many times we think to ourselves that we're doing all of these things for our partner and yet they're still saying that they're not feeling loved. So I'm making their lunch. I'm giving them compliments. I'm doing all of these things. And yet my partner is still number one and not giving me the things that I need in the relationship. And number two, they're complaining to me that they're not feeling loved. So I remember earlier in my journey where I was putting so much effort into certain areas. Um, I had an ex where I used to make his lunch in the morning and I used to do keep the house really clean and I used to do all these things. And yet he still complained that he didn't feel loved. He felt neglected. And granted, those weren't the words that, you know, my partner said at the time, but it's just he wasn't satisfied. And I felt like I was getting burnt out from doing all of these things. And I'm like, I'm doing, I'm putting forth the effort. I'm going all in. Why is it that you're saying that you're not feeling loved? Or why is it that you're acting like you're not feeling loved? So when I came upon the five love languages by Gary Chapman, it made so much sense. And I went into the five love languages before um, my current relationship, which is with my husband. And I really wanted to make sure in this specific relationship that I 
understood what my partner needed. And over the course of our marriage, I've actually seen that those languages, those love languages have actually changed. So that's when I realized this is an active thing. So if people are actively checking in with their partner and finding out what their love language is at that particular time, you can actually get so burnt out, so frustrated with the relationship that you can think about ending it. You can actually think that you're with the wrong person because they're not feeling loved. You're not feeling loved. And you're like, you know what? This would almost be better if I swapped out people, if I got another person. I used to be like that. I used to feel like, oh, it's not the situation itself. It's just, I need to find another person in order to make this work. But so many times when we don't have the tools, when we're not really in tune and intentional with how we're loving our partner, if we're just loving our partner, how we want to love our partner, then we may not be communicating it in a way that they actually receive they understand, and most importantly, that they feel. So the five love languages that I'm referring to are words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, quality time, and physical touch. So what we're going to do today, we're kind of going to go over these five love languages that are referenced, and we're going to see Here's the thing, instinctively, when you hear these five love languages and I'm describing them, you're going to know which one yours is by the way that I'm describing it. You're going to feel something inside of you that, that is like, oh yes, that's me. That's what I'm wanting from my partner. That's what I want to feel. And then you're also going to be able to identify what your partner needs by their complaints. So a lot of times when your partner is complaining Maybe it's physical touch. Maybe they're saying that you're not having good sex in your marriage, in your relationship, and you feel like you're doing all of these acts of service. You're making their lunch, you're keeping the house clean, you're keeping the kids, you know, busy and and well taken care of. And all they're complaining about is this one thing. And you kind of think that your partner is being selfish by wanting this one thing, but they're actually begging for love from you. They're begging to feel the love that they need to feel from you. So I always say to my clients that if your partner is complaining about a certain thing, don't be mad that they're complaining about that that certain thing, but actually listen to what it is that they're saying. Because if your partner is communicating exactly what is bothering them, then you can kind of see the gap. You can see the void. It's when your partner shuts down and they're not communicating is when you should be worried the most. So if that's you and your partner is verbally describing to you the things that they don't like in the relationship or the things they want more of, continue to foster that environment to where they can feel open enough to literally tell you what it is that they're feeling, what it is that they're wanting, and then find the tools that allow you to give them what it is that they want. Because in a relationship, specifically when you have PMDD, what you're able to give is a reflection of what you are going to receive. So, so many times when you're in PMDD, you feel like a relationship should be an add-on. It should complement whatever it is that you have going on. So I have the, this disorder, so I need someone that's going to make my life better by being in it because I already have so much to deal with with this disorder. 
In that, if you are not giving your partner what it is that they need and you have PMDD and they are forced to deal with all of your symptoms, your moods, your ups, your downs and everything, how can you possibly think that they are going to be able to give you what it is that you need when you're in PMDD when you don't give them what it is that they need when you're not in PMDD? So what I say is with all of my clients, when you are not in PMDD and you are at your best, so for me, it's two weeks out of the month. For two weeks out of the month, I'm not in PMDD. I feel totally myself. I'm totally loving. I'm giving all of these things and I'm able to absorb all of the habits and the things that I need to do for my partner. So I try to really take those two weeks to dive into personal development and really finding out checking in with my partner, finding out what it is that he needs so that I can start to implement those habits. When you're actually in hell weeks, what I call it, in those two weeks in PMDD, you're not in the mindset to be adopting new habits, to be finding out new things to do because you're just trying to survive. And I get that. So that's why I say take the time when you're not in PMDD, get the tools and start to do the things and make it a habit so that when you do get into PMDD, you're on autopilot, which is what me and my partner call it, where you're just continuously doing those things that you know that you need to do. For me, um, one of those things is my morning routine, and it is working out and meditation. Um, Without working out and meditation, even when I'm not in PMDD, I'm not fully myself. So I know that I need to develop that habit of getting up in the morning, getting my workout in. And then after that, I do a cool down moving meditation. And then after that, I'm completely fine. So that's an hour out of my day. So what that does is it allows me to be present enough to create that habit of totally being there to give to my partner. But after I give to myself, I never feel guilty for doing my morning routine And I know I have so many clients that feel like, oh my gosh, you want me to wake up in the morning and take an hour out of my day when I could be doing so many things for so many other people. But I always say, if you don't get yourself right, then you're not good for anyone else. So part of that giving to your partner is number one, first giving to yourself. And that looks differently for every single person. It's not the same Um, I have clients that do meditation first and do journaling and do, you know, they need to go outside in nature. Like there's so many different things that they need to cultivate and it's all a matter of what makes them feel their best. So when I'm working with my clients, it's not about here's what works for me and then I want you to go do it. It's about let's find out what actually works for you. And then we're going to cultivate a routine that can take you into your good days when you're not in PMDD. And that can also take you into your not so good days when you're deep in it. When you're deep in it, what it is that you need to do is basically not have to think about what you need to do. It's basically looking at a list, seeing a list of things that is not long, maybe two or three things that you need to do and just being like, you know what, I'm just going to do these things. I'm not going to think about how I feel. 
Um, one of the things that I do is I actually put my phone on do not disturb for the first um, hour of my day. I check in with my husband and my sister. Those are the two people. Um, my daughter's usually still sleeping, but I check in with those two people. I say good morning. And then I tell them both that I'm doing my morning routine. And then I put my phone on do not disturb. I take that time after I put my phone on do not disturb to do my workout, which is normally about, I do a 30 minute workout that followed by a 20 minute, probably like yoga session and then a 10 minute meditation. So it's no longer than an hour. It's as least least as about 30 minutes and the most is an hour. I never do longer than 60 minutes because that's not sustainable for me. If I do anything extra, I do something extra and it's normally going on a walk with my puppy and my daughter. But going back to the love languages that we're going to talk about today, these are going to be things that I really want you to pay attention to in how you feel and how you know that your partner feels. So the first one is words of affirmation. This is you feeling loved by getting positive words from your partner, where your partner is either encouraging you, complimenting you, or telling you that you're amazing. Um, Making you feel really, really good about yourself based off of the words that they say. So, so often we may not realize our love language until we realize what hurts us the most. So if you think about what's the worst thing that your partner does um, in, in your relationship, is it words that they say that really cut you, that really make you feel your worst? Then that kind of also means that that's your love language in a sense that that's what you need the most. So we can look at that as a bad thing, like, oh, I'm noticing that my partner is speaking negative words really, really gets to me. Well, that probably means that what you need for your partner to do is to really speak positive words. So that means that your love language is probably words of affirmation. If you can be built up or broken down by words, then your love language is words of affirmation. The next one is gifts. So I know me personally that I really wasn't a gift person until I met my partner and he puts such amazing thought and depth into the gifts that he gives me. It's not just a card, a blank card with a signature on it that says love, you know, your boo. It's always, he's writing something inside the card that's so personal, that's so thoughtful. Um, And then he's giving me gifts that I can practically use. He's noticing things that are, that are going on in my life that I'm missing something. So recently for my birthday, he bought me an iPad. I was using my MacBook. I was kind of taking it around a lot of places and I was using it a lot for my business. And he said, you know, I, I saw you using your MacBook so many times and then we get on planes and you travel so much. And I thought that you could really use an iPad. And that made me feel so loved and so cared for because he had taken the time to notice a gap in my lifestyle and saying, how can I make her life better? I'm going to give her this tool in order to make her life better. So if your love language is gifts, then it literally means that when someone gives you something, you feel loved, you feel cared for. 
And normally it's thoughtful gifts, gifts that have a story behind it, that have some kind of observation behind it that allows you to know that someone is really thinking about you and they really know you. So the next one is acts of service. So I know for a lot of women, this is their primary love language because they do a lot of the housework. They do a lot of the things with the kids. They do a lot of things that keep their lifestyle going and they feel loved when their partner jumps in and helps them out. So if your love language is acts of service, that means if you've gone to work whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're going out to the office or you're going wherever and you come home and you're getting the house clean and you're you're cooking dinner and you're getting the kids ready for bed and you're getting them ready for school and you're doing all these things and your partner comes in and gives you a night off and says, hey, I'm going to put the kids to bed. I'm going to do the dishes tonight. I'm going to take the trash out. I'm going to cook dinner for you. And you feel so loved by that act of service, by them just jumping in and helping you out, then that means that your love language is acts of service. That means that you feel the most loved when when your partner takes something off of your plate and makes you feel like you don't have to do it all by yourself. I know a lot for me was I was a single mom for a long time and I had no one to depend on. So everything was on me to do everything. So a lot of times I didn't even ask for help. I was kind of like, I'm so used to handling it. But when I got a partner that was really willing to pay attention and be like, you know what? I'm seeing that you are doing all of these things. I'm going to do all these things. And then you go to the spa. And that for me was like that act of service that them taking all of those tasks that I knew that I had to do off of my plate made me feel so loved and so cared for. And so that's a way that you'll understand that, hey, your love language is acts of service. So the next love language is quality time. And for me personally, I'm in a long distance relationship and I go, you know, sometimes I don't see my husband for eight months. Sometimes I see him for two months at a time. We're both military. So quality time is something that's really, really important to us. um, I know a lot of times some people like their me time. They like their alone time. So they can kind of be like, oh, my love language is not, you know, quality time. But I have found from being in a long distance relationship that even if you like your me time, like I do, when you spend quality time together, that means you go on dates, you go on vacations, you spend intentional time uninterrupted with each other and you feel loved because you're in their presence. That means that your love language is quality time. It's about that person is carving out time in their schedule to spend time with you. You're carving out time in your schedule to spend time with them. And when you spend that time together, you feel loved, you feel cared for because out of everything that you guys could be doing, you're spending that time together and you're feeling loved because of it. So if that's your love language, it means that you want undivided attention from your partner. And so the last love language is physical touch. And this is one that is the most obvious love language that most people just assume that people want because they're they're in a relationship. Like you look at the movies and it's like, oh, everybody wants to hold hands and kiss and embrace and and touch each other all the time. But 
having your love language be physical touch literally means that when your partner touches you, when they reach out and hold your hand, when they make love to you, when they do all these things, that you're genuinely feeling loved by them. Not just that it's something that you like. So there's a big difference with physical touch with being liked, loved, and lusted. So if you're just lusting it, I mean, physical touch is something that even if you don't really love the person because of the body chemistry and the way that our bodies are made up, you can actually have a physical interaction with a person and like it. But that doesn't mean that you feel loved by it. So the difference in that is not just a, oh, my body's responding to your touch. It is, I'm holding your hand and you feel like I love you. It is, I'm kissing you and you feel like I love you. It is us making love and you feel like I love you. It is giving that physical touch and in exchange for that, you're feeling loved, you're feeling cared for, you're feeling secure. When you know that this is your partner's love language and you deny them physical touch, this is detrimental to your relationship. So I know so many times, as partners, you can feel like, oh, I'm so tired. I don't have time to have sex, you know, make love and do all those things. I don't have time for this. I, after everything that I have to go through, like you kind of start comparing. But when you deny that from your partner and that is their love language, they start to feel neglected. They start to feel insecure and they start to feel abandoned. And if they have any childhood trauma or any past relationship trauma tied to that, then you're getting in really dangerous territory by denying them physical touch because you're making them feel like they're not enough. You're making them feel like they're not wanted. You're creating rejection. It's so much that is tied to not giving your partner physical touch if that is their actual primary love language. So I want you to really think about what it is that your partner has been complaining about what it is that you've been complaining about and taking these five things and really listening to this episode and kind of writing down which ones that you think that are really standing out to you and go communicate that to your partner and say, hey, this is my love language. I would don't demand that your partner give you your love language. That is always the number one thing that I tell my clients is once you figure out what your love language is, the right way to get it is number one, not by demanding it from your partner, but by informing your partner and letting them know that you would appreciate if they spoke your love language more. Basically, if your love language is acts of service, it's not about doing the dishes. It's not about taking out the trash. It's not about how many times do I have to ask you to take out the trash? Don't you think that when you come home, you see me doing dishes, shouldn't you just know? It's always the assumption that you think that your partner should just know your love language, see the gap and just fill it in. It's not, it doesn't happen that way. You need to communicate what your love language is. And a lot of times during PMDD, when you're going through so much and you're really just needing support, you don't really have the energy to give, give, give. You're just needing a lot of support. If you already know your partner's love language and you're feeding their love language, they're already going to be giving you the things that you need or they're going to be asking you what it is that you need from them. So for an example, my partner's love language is words of affirmation. I remember I used to be in my bad weeks 
of PMDD and I wouldn't do it because I would just be like, I don't have the energy. And when I really thought about it, it's words. You know what I mean? It's like speaking words. It's so to, to for me to say, even when I'm in the depths of PMDD and I'm feeling like absolute crap, that I don't have the energy to speak words to my partner is absurd. But we have to be careful to not use our disorder as a way to not do the things that we know that we can do. It's not that it's always going to be comfortable. It's not that it's always going to be convenient. It's not always that it's going to be something that we want to do, but it's a, it's a commitment that we make from being in a relationship. And I guarantee you when you're out of PMDD and you, your back to feeling like yourself, You're going to want your partner to be in that loving space, but in order to have them be in that loving space, you need to have done the work when you are not feeling your best. Like you can't expect to have something work and it's like your phone. If you take your phone off the charger for two weeks and it goes completely dead and then you go to use it, you know, when you're out of PMDD and you're like, oh. What's going on? It's going to be completely dead because the battery is run dry. You've given it no energy. You've given it no love. You've given it no effort. You've given it no attention. So as partners in PMDD, we have to make sure that we're continuously giving our partners what it is that they need so that when we need them, that their battery is full. And it's not that we're expecting them to be depleted. And think that, oh, you don't know how I feel. You don't have PMDD. So you should just give me everything that I need because I have this disorder. But yet you're not willing to put forth the effort. So anything that you really want and anything that you really deserve, you're going to have to work for. So I really believe that as women with PMDD, we're not meant to do this alone. So I really believe that you are worth the work of having the effort and the the time and the attention and giving that to your partner, you are worth being able to pour into your relationship so that you're able to get the support that you need. So what I would say to you is homework for today, because I like to give homework um, with all of my clients. And I'm going to start doing that here is, do you know, ask yourself this question, do you know your partner's love language? Do you know it? Do you know your love language? And are you effectively communicating their love language? Think about those three questions. Go ahead, leave me a comment on my Instagram in love with PMDD. Let me know how this episode really, really helped you and how you're going to move forward with knowing your partner's love language and actually speaking it so that you can have the relationship that you desire and deserve. You got this.